Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. After marrying a successful Parisian writer, commonly known as Willie, played by Dominic West, Sidonie Gabrielle Colette, played by Kira Knightley, is transplanted from her childhood home in a rural part of France to the intellectual and artistic splendor of Paris. Soon after, Willie convinces Colette to ghostwrite for him. She pens a semi-autographical novel about a witty, brazen country girl named Claudine, sparking a bestseller and a cultural sensation. And that is the premise behind this absolutely wonderful film called Colette, and we are thrilled and honored to have with us today the director and also co-screenwriter of the film, and that would be Wash Westmoreland. Wash, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Tell me a little bit about this sort of your entry point into, obviously, as a screenwriter along with Richard Glaser and as well as Rebecca Linkowitz. It is just a terrifically well-written film, but tell me a little bit about your entry point into, into Colette. Well, it really came from Richard. He was a voracious reader, and he uh, started reading a lot of Colette uh, around 2000, reading both biographies and novels, and saying, there's a really strong film in here. And I started reading too, and we were both blown away by the way she lived and the astonishing decisions she took to break through very difficult circumstances and claim her voice as an artist. So the starting point was really being inspired by her as a person and a writer. The second level is how to tell her story, what part of her life to focus on. And we found the natural narrative to us was her first marriage to Henri Gautier-Villard, better known as Willie, um, and it was really about her formation as a writer. He was a man of letters in Paris who had all these great ideas for literary projects and novels, but didn't have the focus and the sort of staying power to actually write them. So he had a factory of people, a number of ghostwriters writing for him, and he brought Colette into his factory um, to start working on the book, and she penned this novel, Claudine à l'école, that became a bestseller in the whole of France. But at the heart of the relationship was this secret, you know, mm-hmm. that she's writing the books, he's claiming the credit. That really resonates with a lot of things that we're dealing with in the conversation today. So many echoes of her story into our modern context, and not the least of which is her decision to assert herself into the creative process and to take to begin to kind of own what it is that she had created. As There's so many different levels to this film. Her character's modernity, if you will, her modern outlook is remarkable for the period of time. We're talking about the 1890s into the early part of the 1900s. And uh, she's just a fascinating character who has been inspiration for a many and many an artist to this day. So it's a, it's a really a, a almost a timeless story in, in terms of uh, what we're talking about here. Was Willie, was his uh, sort of his entrepreneurship in terms of what he did was he an unusual character in that during that period of time what was it about him that sort of distinguished him in that regard i think he would be an unusual character at any time he had a tremendous energy for life he was you know always at every society event he was at every opening of every opera of every play 
he was at every party. He kind of drove a lot of, you know, merriment when Willie came. Like, the temperature went up. It was like he just had this sort of uh, sort of a Citizen Kane-like feeling of, like, being very in touch with the times. And in the movie, he says at one point, we have Paris in the palm of our hands. Yeah. And, you know, he, that's how he operated. He was just this ideas person. At a time in history where Paris was kind of, the center of Western Europe in terms of like innovations in art and literature and music. So he really rose to great prominence and was known throughout society as this very strong, opinionated and witty character. Yeah. He was often caricatured in newspapers and he wore a top hat um, all the time. And it, the top hat just on its own came to represent Willie, like in cartoons if you saw a top hat, it represented him. Mm -hmm. That was how well-known he was at that point. And he drew Colette into this celebrity orbit, and in effect, they became a celebrity couple. People would identify them as a, a, a pair. Oh, Colette and Willie are here. Mm -hmm. It was like an event when they showed up anywhere. Well, we, we talked a little bit, or mentioned in the introduction, that Colette came from a rural background, rural community. What do you think that sort of, I, I guess in some ways you've described the, the attraction, the dynamic nature of Willie. What was it about him that attracted them? And we see a lot of this in the film, but I mean, what do you think sort of was the sort of the grounding of their relationship? Well, um, they got introduced because their fathers both served together in the uh, in the military, in the Zouaves, in the Franco-Prussian War, yeah. and stayed in touch afterwards. And um, when they were first introduced, Colette was, you know, a teenager. Willie was, you know, in his early 30s. There was an age difference between them. I think um, he saw in her just this incredibly sort of talented young woman who was smart, had this feistiness and this irreverence and this uh, beauty. And she saw in him, I think, just someone who was great standing and was this very entertaining person and very charming person and could introduce her to the wider world of Parisian society. So in societal terms, it was seen as a mismatch, but their personalities at that point in time had a definite, uh, you know, synergy. Yeah. In, in, at one point when in the film, when uh, Willie introduces her as his wife at a party and some someone's make references this wild something wild about the this this announcement and she says the wild days have just begun yeah he they say willie married the wild days are over and she says on the contrary so the wild days have just begun yes and it's like up to that point she's relatively quiet and meek and then you just see that underneath the surface there's this razor sharp wit that's operating this is one of the great things about the character and, and Kira Knightley's pr portrayal of Colette is that the, she seems to be able to recognize things that are happening in her life and, and either and quickly identify the ways in which the, she will use them to become something else. She's constantly changing. She's constantly morphing into different in, and exploring different parts of her personality and of her sexuality and all kinds of different things. And in addition to that, watching Kira Knightley's portrayal, the way that her her continence changes in the film, her body language changes. There's things that happen in the course of this film 
that are just remarkable. And, and, and this is a testament to you as a director to be able to kind of hone in on the subtle but distinctive phases of the, the, her life and, and her ability to kind of morph into something different along the way. Well, that was something that really appealed to Kira about the role, that we were tracking a character from age 19 to age 34. And in that time, you see a tremendous change from you know, a teenager into someone who's grown into themselves as a person and a, as an artist. And as a reference point, we looked at, at Coal Miner's Daughter, the Michael Apted movie starring Sissy Spacek, mm-hmm. where the Loretta Lynn character miraculously transforms in front of your eyes to, from being 14, by the end she's about 40, and um, you never see a date card come up. You just know the changes from the way she is. And uh, we wanted this to be the same for Colette, but, um, you know, her body language changes, her voice changes, the way she uses her gaze, her, she'll, she'll avert her gaze at the beginning of the story and yeah. towards the end she just starts being so much more direct. Yeah. And her just whole energy projection shifts. So by the time you've gone to the end and you think back to how she was in the very first scene where she barely says a word, you really see this extraordinary transformation. Oh, it is really, it's a remarkable performance. And um, granted, she had she was given the material to be able to really uh, infuse her character with so much. There's so much going on here. It's, it's so rich. And, you know, it's so great to read Colette herself and absorb so much of her own words and thoughts into, you know, the realization of the performance. And to achieve the sort of, because we were shooting out of order, we divided Colette into like, I think, seven stages for her and makeup costume, but also for Kira herself. We were like, okay, this scene's phase three. We we had this way of, you know, shorthand of referencing Mm -hmm. the development and where it was at that moment so that when we put the film together, you'd see a linear um, flowering of her as an artist and, and a sort of growth of her as a person towards speaking her truth. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Wash Westmoreland. He is the director and co-screenwriter of the film Colette, which opens today, September 21st, here in Los Angeles. And we'll, uh, we'll post where it's opening um, on the website at filmschoolradio.com. I want to get to, to the landmark and the arclight. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure of the time. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. The casting, there's a superb supporting cast. I don't want to leave anyone out of my, our conversation about all of the performances here and in, in this film are just wonderful. And also, I, I, we talked a little bit about the screenplay, but this is a film that moves along so, it's such a great pace and such a great energy there's nothing wasted in this film. I've watched it a couple of times. I, I really, truly want to compliment you in terms of the economy of the storytelling and giving all of the characters an opportunity to really flourish in this environment. It really is a superbly done film in that regard. Oh, thank you so much. Um, we were really quite disciplined in the edit room of like watching the the way the story unfolds, and we had to lose a few scenes that we really loved, but it was worth it to get the film to have this sort of momentum all the way through. I agree. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry to hear that you had to leave out some things you'd like to include, but it is such an... I say this with the utmost gratitude to you for the way that you were able to... Like I said, it's just a very... It moves along. There's nothing wasted. Everybody, All the scenes are, make sense, and they move the story along and all. 
uh, it, it's just a, just really remarkable, remarkably well done. But I think the energy and the performances of Dominic West and Kira Knightley, I, the ener- the watching the two of them play off of each other in such an adult relationship and in such a converse, in, their relationship was such that they could talk to each other about just about anything. And I loved the way that they were able to interact. And the two of them together are just amazing. Um, casting Dominic West, who people will not be as familiar with as Kira Knightley, but he's obviously an accomplished actor. He's superb in this film. He's so good in it. Thank you. Yeah, he's more known for his TV work. I mean, he right. was in The Wire, Wire, and, you know, it's so brilliant in that incredible um, TV series. And he's also currently in The Affair. Um, but this, he just really bursts onto the big screen and really defines his character. Someone who's behaving despicably but at the same time is uh, charming and witty, and you understand this is how powerful men get away with behaving badly for so long. You know, they don't just have horns and coming out of their head and steam coming out of their ears. They're often very seductive and charming and use all kind of weapons in the armory emotional sexual flirtation everything it's not just about economic and cultural power there's also this sort of uh deployment of personal power to keep women down right uh, i will say that he did things in the film as the character of willie that um you know obviously were um, dishonorable in some ways i mean keeping things from her that he shouldn't he should not have but i was always riveted and taken by his character i really i felt really i in, he it is a high wire act what is at one point he says you've got to be authentic but larger than life and he, in his ability to pull that off in this in this film not only in public but even in the intimate uh scenes between the two of them he drops his guard somewhat but he still feels larger than life watching him on screen and just uh, a great performance Great, because I think that's how Willie would have been in real life. But when he entered the room, everyone would know. Yeah, yeah, and Kira's superb. I mean, watching the two of them together—it's really. I, I want our, my audience to know that this, these, these are two of the best performances you'll you will see in a film for a very long time. They're they're just really they they match up very well, just in all kinds of different ways, and uh, completely believable in their in their performances, in their roles, in these characters. It's just superbly done. And, um, again, hats off to the screenplay and, and to your direction in this. Um, well, what, if if anything, about the story of Colette or the story, uh, her story, uh, first of all, were you surprised by And secondly, what will modern audiences take away from from her her history, her, her life? Well, I was surprised at how Colette deals with the difficulties of, um, you know, struggling with her husband to claim her voice on the book. You feel like the marriage is going on to shaky ground, that Colette wants to, you know, break free. And you expect a section of the movie that's kind of angsty and lots of long looks into the mid-distance. And that is the point in time when Colette, out of the blue, decides to go on the stage and it's a way of expressing herself yeah. that's free of her husband's influence. Um, but at the time, it was a very, very radical move. She's not going into high art performing Shakespeare or, you know, uh, it, like, you know, high theater. It was a musical. It was kind of like a member of the British royal family performing in Las Vegas. There was like this <laughs> scandal attached to the idea of 
she was going to go on the stage at the Moulin Rouge, which is usually for the, you know, the showgirls and the can-can and the magicians. And she was going to perform this kind of, you know, very radical piece of performance art yeah. called Dream of Egypt. And at the height of the performance, she kissed her girlfriend at the time, um, the Marquise de Belboeuf or Missy, who was a woman who completely embraced masculinity and can be seen as a forerunner of today's both lesbian community and today's transgender community because of her fearless, uh, you know, claiming of who she or who he really was. And uh, they did this in public. They kissed, and it caused a riot. So just when you're expecting yeah. <laughs> it to get kind of going down, yeah. the film just goes off on this really unexpected, like, elevation of, like, public declaration of self and truth and what feels natural and what feels right. And that's something that amazed me about Colette, and I think we can all take inspiration from today. Yeah, absolutely. You put it in the the proper context there for people to understand. I I do believe that uh, it was shocking, undoubtedly shocking at the time. But some of the people who have uh, sort of identified Colette as as heroes, Erica Young has Naomi Wolf, uh, Doris Lessing. There are so many people to this day. I think uh, there's echoes of Madonna in this, echoes of Lady Gaga, echoes of a lot of different Performers. There are so many strong women throughout history, I think, look to Colette as, a, as an example. Yeah. I mean, one, another performance piece she did was called Flesh, and she toured around the provinces of France doing this play where she was a, a Romanian peasant woman and was attacked by a smuggler. Her blouse was ripped open, exposing her left breast, and it prostrated the smuggler like because it was so astonishing. And Colette would just stand there, like, naked on the stage with people just completely shocked. This was at a time where women weren't even showing their ankle. And she was just doing it. And she was just, like, (laughs) you know, traveling around on her own, earning her own money, not being beholden to any man, and just having this kind of existential freedom, which she writes about in her first great work, The Vagabond. Um, And I think, again, it's like, wow. (laughs) She just had this... (laughs) That unstoppable sense of life. Well, like she was going to live. Yeah, she, she was, was going not to live. Let anyone get in the way. And there's yeah. some, there's something about this period of time you you identified it earlier as sort of uh, Paris and France at this time was kind of looked to as sort of the the pinnacle of of Western culture and forward thinking. And well, what a tremendous time! I mean, if you yeah. look at Victorian London, how uptight that was. And in Paris, meanwhile, you know, you have the Impressionist painting, you have Satie de Bussy um, uh, and um, Ravel composing completely new forms of music. You have a tremendous growth in, like, literature. You have this whole sense of, like, creativity and decadence and experimentation and sexual permission that was, you know, just electrified Paris at the same time when it was physically being electrified. We see that in the movie, that candles are going out, electricity is coming in, but the energy there was tremendous. And uh, extraordinarily, these two personalities, Colette and Willie, sort of rose to the apex of that social pyramid as really defining, through their marriage, a lot of the struggles that were happening in gender roles in the broader society at that time. Well, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. I really am so grateful that you're able to find time to be here with us today on Film School. Um, the film, again, is Colette. We've been speaking with the director and co-screenwriter um, of the film, that Wash Westmoreland, and I look forward to more work from you. This is just a superb film, and uh, my congratulations to you on it. Thank you. Thank you. And just to anyone out there, it took 17 years to get this from the script 
to the big screen. So if you've got a project you've been working on, you can't break through, you're getting frustrated, just never say die. Just like, if you've got that vision, keep going. Oh, well, that's encouraging and and inspiring as well. Lots of filmmakers do listen to the show. And uh, thank you so much, Wash, for for being here today. Well, thank you. It's been so great talking. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.